Thanks for listening to the Light Church Podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. We pray that the Lord would speak to you through His Word. For more information, you can visit our website, lightsandiego.com. I, uh, I, I have some memories of the first time I was ever here. I was ministering, and uh, right in the middle of my message, a train went by. And I about jumped off the stage the first time. I was there. how many were here the first time I came and that happened? Anybody remember? Oh my gosh, that was ridiculous. Um, Benji did speak to the fact of, that I have some brown sugar. Her name is Coco, by the way. My wife's name is Coco. Now, I call her brown sugar or hot chocolate sometimes. <laughs> I was going to warn, you know, he kind of stole my thunder because I was going to let all of the single guys know that the one up there with braised the chocolate one is with me. And I don't want to have to reach out and touch somebody for inappropriately advancing her. But Coco, stand up so they can see you. Just stand, girl. Amen. Yep. That's my girlfriend. We've been together 35 years. Actually, it'd be 37 if you count. 37 years. Yeah, guys have been good. Guys have been good. I don't understand how this works. She's getting younger. She's forever 21. And I'm getting older, so I don't understand it. Um, we've got three kids, adult children, uh, and three grandchildren. I know what you're thinking right now. Gosh, he doesn't look you know, old enough for that. I know. Black don't crack. Relax. It's all good. Actually, I'm 57, and um, so thankful and grateful to be here with you. Love what God is doing and seeing it grow and expand and, and the reach and what you guys do, not just in North County, not just in downtown, but what you do globally as well. I just appreciate all of, the, um, a, all of the investment that you make in the kingdom of God. And so how many of you know, listen, the Bible says that the fivefold ministry of prophets, evangelists, teachers, uh, pastors, apostles are gifts given to us. And we get to travel and see um, all variations of churches and different locations and different leaders. I want to say to you that you have a gift in Benji and Jen. Uh, I don't know a more um, opposite couple, amen, yeah. or a more deeply formed spiritual family that leads well with humility and grace. And so would you give your pastors a big hand this morning? Let them know you appreciate them. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because we lose about 1,700 of them a month. Just so you know, we've traveled through some of the worst territory in any industry, any leaders that you have, whether it's in sports, whether it's in business, whether it's in ministry, the last season that we've lived in the culture and the world and polarization and COVID and political unrest and racial injustice and all of this. And our spiritual leaders have had to navigate. And so when you've got good ones, take care of them. Let them know you appreciate them. Amen. So, so I want to get into the word this morning. If you got your Bible with you, you got your iPad, your phone, I got some of the scriptures that'll be up. We're going to be in second Chronicles around 17, where I'll be that we'll start out there. But I had this encounter. I had this moment, actually uh, more or less a breakdown of some sorts because in, in our church, in, in a church of this size, we got four services, two in, in, in this area, and then the services downtown. In, in a church this size, you've got any number of battles going on. When I say battles, I mean you've got financial issues, you've got relational issues, you've got health challenges, and, and you start multiplying people. And how many of you know when you multiply people, that's a good thing, but in the multiplication of people comes a burden, a great burden that shepherds have because there's so much going on, whether in this particular week in my life, I got news that there was a family 
that had a two-year-old baby that had just been diagnosed with cancer and sent home to hospice. The child, there was nothing else they could do, a two-year-old baby. At the same time that was going on, I had a guy hit by a motorcycle. Uh, he actually got hit, he was on a motorcycle and hit a deer, because that's what happens in Oregon, hello. That would never happen here, but in Oregon. So he's, in, he's got a traumatic brain injury. His family's concerned for him. Now, right out of that comes cancer diagnoses and divorce issues on my staff. So people really close to me. And so I felt overwhelmed by the enormity of all of these conflicts or this battle. How many of you recognize that the things that come to assail your life, that don't look like the kingdom of God, that don't look like or feel like abundant life, are all battling against your peace and trying to take your confidence and undermine your faith in some way. Whether it be, whether you right now, you're somebody that's in a relationship and all of a sudden it's like somebody went crazy and decided that they no longer wanted to be in the relationship. Or it's a business issue and you hear recession. How many of you notice that everything costs more right now? And by the way, it takes longer to get shipped to you. And so all of these things are conspiring and I've got people with anxiety and depression. We live in the Northwest. And thank God I get to come down to San Diego in October. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but all of these things, right? And so this morning, I'm only here to, to sort of stir you up a little bit, but I wanted to encourage you. And, and, I, and, and by the way, there's a couple ground rules you got. You can't just sit there and sip your coffee like you normally would on a Sunday. I'm a black preacher. You know what that means? That means you got to talk to me and your neighbor. So touch your neighbor and say hello right now. Tell them now. Turn around and look at somebody and say, you too. So here's what I want you to tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, tell them right now. The battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. Mm, think about that for a minute. The battle, whatever it is that you're up against, whatever adversity, financial, whatever difficulty, whatever stress, whatever's stealing your peace, whatever's keeping you up at night, whatever people are saying against you, whatever is going on, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And I want to introduce you to a man by the name of King, by the name of Jehoshaphat. Some of you may not know him, some of you may be familiar. I'll give you a little bit of his backstory. In the nation of Israel, they went through a series or a dark period of time in their history where they had king after king after king, and these successive kings, there would be this phrase, if you go back in your Bible at some point in time and look through second kings, you'll find that there would be these kings that would come to power, and some of them would do right by the Lord, but never fully. And so they would introduce false worship, and, and they notoriously had what were called these high places where these shrines and temples would be, where they would do idolatrous practices and betray the Lord and betray the faith in that way. And they would take on the practices of the nations around them. That's for free for you this morning. How many of you recognize that as the people of God, you're not to fit so well into the culture, that there's something about you that has to be Countercultural, indeed. The way you love, the way you operate and move through the world gives light to the gospel and says who you belong to. Amen. While they're dividing and polarizing, picking sides, you're saying, no, I want to convene a table that brings both parties to the table where we can come and find peace together and negotiate something. Amen. That's a good place for you to say amen. So just a note, when I say amen, that's a cue for you. And so Jehoshaphat comes to power in this period of time. They go, so there'd be a righteous king and then an unrighteous king. A righteous king, then an unrighteous king. There wouldn't be 
this outstanding outpouring of spiritual vitality in the nation, but it would be sort of like a reprieve. But when Jehoshaphat comes to power, he literally, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, there's a couple of things that describe him right at the top of the chapter. In verse 3 and 4, it says this. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked, with the, walked in the formal ways of his father David, who was a righteous king. He did not seek the Baals, but sought God, the God of his fathers, and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Verse 6 says this. And his heart took the light in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. That's significant because some of the leaders that would come to power would begin to, to establish again a spiritual foundation for the nation of Israel, but they would never overthrow the high places. They would always leave the high places intact. And that, that's a cursed cautionary tale for you and I. You and I must, as the Lord convicts, as we become aware, as truth gets illuminated in our lives, we cannot leave the things that God would have us to forsake in our lives. We can't minimize them. We can't say, hey, it's not that bad. Whenever you start negotiating with sin, you can guarantee it'll start in a seed form. How many things in your life started in a seed form that became habit, and all of a sudden, at one time, you had dominion over it, but now it has dominion over you? That's what happened in my life as it related to drugs early on. Most people that get involved in drugs and get addicted didn't start out addicted. They started out experimenting and being very much in control. But then all of a sudden, at some point, there's a tipping point where it starts taking control and dictating your life. And you'd be surprised how that can happen. Anything that the Lord puts his hand on in your life, a relationship, a person, a hobby, a pursuit, and he says, that's not good for you. He's not restricting your life by taking it from you. He's actually trying to release more of his abundant life in your life because that is an impediment and an obstacle. But that's not even my message this morning. Let's move on. That's just for free. I'm just meddling a little bit right there. Second Chronicles 17 and 6 said he took the light in the Lord and he removed the high places. Verse 12, if you skip down, says this. So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful, and he built fortresses and stored cities in Judah. He had much property in the cities of Judah, and the men of Moab, the mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. So it's a really good period of time. It's, it's actually a 25-year run with him as the king. He strengthened Israel. Israel prospered. It is a great time. But there is a little civil unrest among them. The nation of Israel at this time is divided between a northern and a southern kingdom. And because Jehoshaphat was the king of the southern kingdoms, he was in charge of the southern. There was always these military incursions from down north. They would come down. And so these fortified cities, if you will, were like what we have in the military. I was a Marine for 10 years. And so what we have in the military is what we would call pre-positioned bases, where supplies are, where you don't have to come all the way back to the United States to get resupplied. And so that's what these cities were. So that's Israel in its, in its essence was secure under his reign. And then things changed a little bit. How many of you know that, how many you ever been walking through your life and, and serving Jesus the best as you can, or just trying to be a good person and all hell breaks loose in your life out of nowhere? Anybody just wave at me. Just ever had a time where it just felt like, man, finally, everything's good. The money's not crazy. How many of you noticed that the enemy comes against your life in basically three ways? He comes through your relationships, 
He comes through physical ailment or physical disabilities, or he comes through your finances. And, and, and how many of you ever had a season in your life where you hit all three at the same time? I've been there. And so this is one of those all hell breaks loose moments. Everything's going great. The nation of Israel is being rebuilt and strengthened. It's not a problem. It's good. And then it happens. Say that out loud. And then it happens. It's going to happen in your life as well. Not if, but when. How many of you would say this morning, based on what I've described to you, you're in a battle? Say, yeah, that's me. Okay, so I'm in the right place. So, so then in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it happens. And that's exactly how the chapter opens up. Listen to what it says in verse 1. It happened after this, after all of that reform, after all of that restructuring, after all of that prosperity, after all of that blessing. Here it comes. It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon and others that were with them beside the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, listen to this, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in the Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. I love every bit of this verse because he finds himself in a great place and now he's being attacked. I've been there. And so, but, but here's what I love about it. it doesn't, sometimes we read the Bible, we start making Bible characters mythical characters that they're somehow superhuman and they don't have the same emotions that you and I have or go through the same things that we go through. But in that particular verse, what did it say? He feared greatly. That's the first thing. And you're going to have moments in time in your life where something hits you in your life that is going to knock you off your equilibrium. I know you come to church on Sunday and we sing the songs and we got our Bibles and we got podcasts and we got everything. But how many of you know every now and then something is going to hit you that nothing seems to have a remedy for? That you're going to get hit somewhere. You're going to get your heart broke. Somebody's going to disappoint you. You're going to tragically lose somebody. You say, man, why would you say that? Because that is the condition of living in a fallen world. Jesus didn't promise us that our faith would be an escape. He promised that our faith would carry us through. In fact, Jesus promised, he said, in this life, you will have tribulation. But be of good courage because I've overcome this world. And because he's overcome, that means you and I will overcome as well. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. So, so in this particular verse, he, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he's afraid. He gets this report, and the first thing that hits him is fear. And all of us would be in the same position. And, and it's funny to me how people, you know, sometimes I disappoint people because they find out that just because I was a Marine doesn't mean I'm not scared. Come on, somebody. And by the way, I'm scared of heights, so we way down there. This is bothering me right now. And they say stuff like, I, I disappoint them because I'll let them know that I'm human and that I do have fears. And they say, oh, man, I thought you were a Marine. And I'm thinking to myself, who is, who is there that would not have fear when, when those kind of reports come into their life? The reality is, is that there is no such thing as courage or acts of courage without them being done in the face of fear. So, so it's not that you're not going to be fearful. It's that you're not going to allow the fear to paralyze you. And there's some things that we can extrapolate out of his response here in this verse that I think you can carry away with you this week 
or next month, or you may be able to pass this message on to somebody who's going through something difficult because there's so much here that I think we can apply. Now, the first thing he says is a great multitude in verse two. Your great multitude or your friends or your daughters or your loved ones, whoever you would like to send this message to, their great multitude may look different. It may be, like I said, financial or relational, but the multitude in this text is whatever it is that has assailed your life, whatever it is that's undermining your peace right now, whatever it is that won't allow you to sleep at night, there's anxiety and fear that's keeping you restless during the night or, or in your relationships, whatever it is. And so what I want you to see is immediately his visceral response was to turn to the Lord. The Bible says in Psalms 20 and 7, watch this. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. That word some means not everybody turns to the Lord. Where do you go when, not if, when you are surrounded, when you are up against it? Some people immediately get on social media and like, it's a bad day, and they start posting to people who don't care about them. How many of you know that people on, in, in, on, on the internet are not your real friends? And they start, I mean, it, it baffles my mind. They start sharing some of the most intimate things about their life on social media for people, and then they're surprised when people villainize and come against them and say things and persecute them. How many of you know that the people you should turn to are the people who've earned the right by being in community with you to hear your story, and they are actually going to be there with you. Amen? Come on, say amen. amen. Somebody just said he's old. That's why he doesn't like social media. It's not true. I'm probably on social media more than you. This idea, though, he says, I, I love in verse 3, it says, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself. This wasn't some emotional thing. When he says he set himself, this wasn't like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to go to church today, this kind of casual thing. No, to set means to fix, to anchor yourself, to actually be intent and consistent and diligent in something. And so this idea is, is like when you get hit, when it comes, when you're arrayed against, when, they're, when they're, the enemy is everywhere in your life, you have to then choose to set your heart on the Lord, to seek him to find out what God is saying about this situation. Where are you indeed? Has anybody ever gone through a night season and said to yourself, where are you, God? What, what happened here? What's going on with my child? What do I go into a house and tell someone who's losing a two-year-old child? What do I say to them that would comfort them? What, what, what is it that I can do? Nothing but cry with them and cry and hold on to the child as they did. That's all you can do in those moments. But how many recognize that the Lord's comfort and care and concern for you goes far deeper than human hug. Deeper into the soul. Now, I love my wife. She's been with me my almost my entire adult life. We spent our 20s, our 30s, and our 40s, and our 50s. The 50s are better, just so you know. Um, anyway, that's just for free. Um, stay married. That's all I can tell you. Stay married. So that's a whole other conversation. But, but there is this sense that there are times where even her companionship, her presence, doesn't do what I need in my soul. And it's unfortunate because she would like to, and sometimes we try to be everything for everyone, and sometimes the best thing you can do is just take whatever it is to the Lord, not your spouse, not your friends, definitely not the social media, because either you turn inward, you turn outward, or you turn upward. And sometimes we turn inward, we get very withdrawn, and we move away 
from community and move away from people in those moments only because then all you've got is your strength and your ability. How many of you know it fails? And I've gone through seasons where I've turned inward and only to find myself lacking. But you, then you turn outward and outward companionship and comfort fails as well. It's only when we seek the Lord by looking up and saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how we're going to get through. I don't know how the marriage is going to last. I don't know if you, how you can heal this situation. I don't know where the money's coming from. We're going to lose the business. I don't know how any of this is going to work. I'm out of control. I've got adult children. They're called children, but they're adults, which means I have no control. Pray for me. I need counseling. <laughs> I don't understand it, God. I don't like it. I don't want it. I've prayed and it feels like my prayers hit the roof and come back down. I'm alone. Is it going out? You know how big my mouth is. I might not need this. You don't. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You can turn it up. Oh, there we go. Praise the Lord. Where do you turn for help, for comfort, for peace? Some people get peace out of a substance. They get peace out of relationships. So you get one relationship after another relationship after another. You get one substance after another after another. You get one job, one accomplishment, more money, more money, but nothing Nothing satisfies. Nothing can quench the thirst that's within us. He turns to the Lord in this moment. And, and as a leader, I see exactly what he's doing. Because you, you've got full disclosure. This is him responding just out of his own character. He immediately goes and sets himself to the Lord, which is what you should do whenever you go through whatever you go through, especially if you're married, have children or people connected to you. Jehoshaphat sets himself first to seek the Lord. Why? He's got to steady himself. He's a leader. The last thing I do is bleed on my family and bleed on my church. I go before the Lord to steady me first so that when I enter into the space of my family, my loved one, it's not that I have the answers. It's not that it's going to go away. It's that I am steady and confident and assured because the Lord is with me. I mean, you know, if the Lord is with you, you can go through anything. If the Lord is with you, you can endure anything. If the Lord is with you, you can and will make it. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap in this place. Come on. He steadied himself. Self-mastery is important. And then he does something I think is amazing. He then leads the nation in in a national fast. The whole nation of Israel now is being called to pray. So how about the next time you go through a battle or, or even in the midst of this battle, you steady yourself and then you turn to your family and say, as a mom, as a grandma, as, as, as a patriarch of the family, as a single dad, a single mom, wherever you are, whoever's with you, you turn to your friend group and say, wait a minute, we're going to seek the Lord in prayer. And now we're going to we're going to up the ante and actually turn our plates down and say, God, we're going to seek you earnestly more than our own food. We don't have to earn anything from you, but we don't want any distractions in our life. We want our whole lives cleaned out of anything that would distract. So we're turning media off. We're turning food away because we're coming to seek you. And how many know that if it's a casual thing in your life, then you just keep doing the casual thing. But when it's a battle for your children or it's a battle for your sanity, and, and I've got friends of mine that can't leave their house with anxiety. How many know that's a battle? to be housebound. And not only that, but the spouses and the people connected to them who are serving them are suffering immensely as well as the person that's suffering from the anxiety and depression, mental health issues. And so it's imperative that you study yourself and that you then enlist everybody around you 
to then, would you just pray on Mondays with me? Could you pray on Thursdays? Would you, would you keep this before the Lord? Just send like a text message in the morning. Would you just pray for my son, Johnny? He's going through a tough time. And because it's you and your husband, but it's more than that. When I used to get into fights as a Marine, it's one thing to get in a fight by yourself. But how many know you get a lot more courage when you bring some people with you? And so you can bring some people along with you spiritually that will pray with you, that will keep you encouraged and keep you lifted up. Because if it's a long, prolonged battle, you're going to need some people to hold you up. Our daughter suffered 10 years with lupus. I think I told you this the last time I was here. She suffered and ultimately lost her kidneys. And they told us at one time that she wouldn't even have children. How many know you got to be careful what they say and measure that against what he has said? Because right now, she's the only one of my kids that have produced three grandchildren. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand clap. She's fruitful. But there were some dark nights. I'm a, I'm a dad. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm, I'm like, my daughters are like daddy's girls. Like, like, I would hold knives when they would bring guys home. Well, actually, I didn't hold a knife. <laughs> Dave, it wasn't a knife. I was out barbecuing, cutting some meat on the grill, and she brought this little freckle-faced, red-haired, white kid home. <laughs> I know he was scared coming in a black house. It's all good. But I was cutting some meat, and I happened to turn around with a knife, and he was like, hi, Pastor Keith. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I would have killed him. No, I wouldn't have. <laughs> but there's something about being a dad and seeing your children suffer. And as a dad, not being able to make it go away. And so for 10 years, I watched her as a senior go from being the prom queen and, and, and athletic and volleyball and doing all the things that she's doing to not being able to get out of the bed and watched her slide. We got no good reports for 10 years sliding down to the point that she needed a kidney transplant. She's married. And now <laughs> the ironic part about that story is that her husband ended up being the donor. He had a t tissue and blood matching, had an abnormally large kidney. So she's got complete kidney function and is doing well. And I told my son-in-law, I told him, I said, we was in the hospital right, right after he just got in recovery. I said, hey, man, you got a chip in the game now. He said, what do you mean, Dad? I said, anytime she sweats you about the trash or cleaning up, you could just lift your shirt and say, girl, I gave you life. Like, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> All that to say, we would not have made it without a community of people without our family coming together. How many of you recognize that when things go wrong, the enemy no, banks on the fact that you will come apart, that stress and strife will keep you from praying together, will keep you from worshiping together, will keep you from being unified. And this was, this was Jehoshaphat's means of bringing the nation together to fight this enemy together. A house divided, a nation divided against itself shall not stand. This is Jesus' teaching. So when there's strife and envy, the Bible says that every evil work is present. It's amazing to me how many times I've seen as a pastor when you've got things going on in people's lives and the family starts coming apart. Dad's over here, mom's over there, the kids are over there. Rather than that, Jehoshaphat said, I want the whole nation. Bring the children, bring the little ones, bring everybody to prayer. Bring them to this place of prayer. And this is what I want to say to you. Psalms 34 and 4 says this. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Notice what it didn't say. It didn't say that he took all of the situations away. It says that he delivered me from all of my fears. That fear doesn't have mastery over you. That anxiety wouldn't have. Now you got to imagine this king 
is tasked with the security of this nation. And here this innumerable enemy is coming against them. And he brings them to praying and to fast and bring the little children. In 2 Chronicles 20 and 12, it says this. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children stood before the Lord. What would it look like for you, your children, your grandchildren, everybody to stand on the word about that thing in your life? Everybody connected to you is standing on the word, trusting God, bringing unity and harmony. Everybody's saying one sound. That's what it means to agree in the Greek. It's sumphophonio, which means to make one sound. What if you made one sound over your money? What if you made one sound over your daughter? That's the hardest thing, isn't it? Everybody's got an opinion, even in this church. If Benji tries to do something directional and, hey, we're going to go in this direction, everybody has an opinion. But what happens when we all make one sound under heaven? Then the enemy scatters. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me? Touch your neighbor and say, that's a good word right there. Tell them. Here's why I think he went to prayer. Because I don't know how you find prayer, but I never go to God and say, oh, most high God, thou who sits on the circumference of the earth. I don't talk to God that way. And don't be a weird Christian and pray like that. Amen? <laughs> Nobody understands what you're saying. Don't do that. Sometimes I go to God. I'm like, what's up? That's the prayer. Or help. Where are you? What's going on? Right? But really, it's a place of exchange. I don't know if you looked at prayer as a place of exchange. It's where I go in and I bring confusion and I get peace. Where I go in, I bring anxiety. I bring all of the things that trouble me. I bring my sin. I get his righteousness. I get forgiveness. I go in in prayer and it becomes this place of exchange where heaviness in my soul and depression is trying to overwhelm me. I go into the presence of the Lord in prayer and worship and joy comes into my soul. There's an exchange that happens in peace. And no, you don't have to be on your knees in some sacred space to do it. You could be out on your surfboard on the waves, praying that you don't get by a great white shark. <laughs> I always wonder that when I go by the beach, I see all these little heads bobbing up and down. And you know, I've seen the studies of the migration and the pathway of great white sharks. Anyway, I'm not a surfer, you can tell. But, but don't forsake the privilege of prayer. It is a privileged place for the child of God to appear before God. And don't overcomplicate it. Just sit down and talk to God like you talk to anybody else. Send him a message and say, God, you know, I just wanted to say I'm hanging out today and stuff is not going so well. Worried about Israel. Don't understand Palestine. Don't understand any of this. But help me navigate. I don't understand what's going on in my life. And I got enemies and people and things going on. And I don't know what decision to make or how to make it. Can you speak to me, Lord? And he will. Can you direct me? Can you help me? This is what the king leads the nation of Israel to do that you and I can do in our lives. We can appropriate that same strategy, steadying ourselves, calling everybody to the place of prayer and unification, and then listening for specific instructions from the Lord. How many of you know that the Lord has specific things for you to do? Every battle is not the same. In this particular battle, the word of the Lord was given to Jehoshaphat. This battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. But in other cases, you, you've got to get the word of the Lord because not every battle, every battle has a different strategy, a different approach. What worked in one battle won't work in the next one. If you'll remember, if you read in the book of Joshua, you ever get a chance, they confronted this city called Jericho. And, and it was an insurmountable obstacle. How do we get into this city? How do we defeat them? The strategy that God gave them for that battle was walk around the city, 
for six days, once a day, and don't say anything. On the seventh day, I want you to walk around the city seven times, and I want you to shout. I just want you to know, as a military guy, this makes no sense to me. I, I, there are no bombs, there's no siege, there's nothing. We just want you to shout for God has given you the city. And that's the type of thing that you will find. Is that God will give you something to do in the battle that doesn't make sense to your natural mind. But why are you arguing with God? You didn't have any answers anyway. <laughs> so why not step out and be a fool for Jesus and maybe see something supernatural happen that you could have never done? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap right now. God will ask you to do crazy things. Like your business is going out. of You got trouble in the business. God says, yeah, I want you to sow a seed. I want you to be a blessing to somebody else. Something's going on in your relationship, and God wants you to go encourage somebody. Whatever it is, you could have bounced the check, and God says, yeah, I want you to start a business. You're like, I can't even keep my checkbook open. Well, yeah, God's not counting on your ability. He's not counting on your resources. He's not counting on your strength. And by the way, I can tell you that during the course of those 10 years, my strength failed miserably. My wife can tell you. In fact, I would look at her sometimes. I would, and, and here's the ironic part. I would be preaching like I'm preaching right now and leave the pulpit and go directly to the hospital to sit with my daughter while she took a shower and got something to eat and got a break. And I kept thinking, God, you know, I'm serving your church and your people are crazy. I think, you know, I got a little credit built up somewhere. Come on, somebody. I'm just being honest. That was my prayer life. I'm like, God, come on, man. We've been at this for 30 some years. And, and it didn't make sense, some of the things that God would have me do, like while she's in pain, we would sing songs. Or, or I would go in and erase all of the stuff on the board that the nurses would put up, and I put it, because it was right in front of her bed, and all of these negative things were there, and I would go in and erase it and put a scripture up for the day. And say, that's where I want your thoughts. That's where I want your, that's what we're going to quote today. And it wasn't manifesting, it was actually trusting the word of God. Come on, somebody, to do what only it could do. Give the Lord a hand clap right now, come on. So then here's, here's what I want to say. I got to run, but, but here's what I want to say. When you get in the battle, say when. Come on, say it again. Say when. when. When you get in the battle, your faith is authenticated. What you really believe about Jesus in that moment is authenticated. Whether you run to him, whether you run away from him, whether you run to the word, whether you run to prayer. That's why your habits are really important. Because after a while, you're going to get a test of some sort to authenticate, not to destroy you, but to build you. And, and you're only what you are used to doing will come out of you in those moments. Jehoshaphat had to be a man of prayer. He had to be a man that, that, that led in that way because the minute he got that report, he was fearful and went straight back to what he always did, took that thing to the Lord, amen? And so here's what I wanna to say to you today. The battle is the Lord's. Say it, say it all out, so the battle's the Lord. Yeah, look somebody just quietly and tell them the battle is the Lord. Look at them right now. The battle is the Lord. Worship team, you can come up here with me at this time if you're coming. Here's what I say about that. That, that, that sounds good. And that is good. But it's really difficult for some people in this audience to entrust that God or anybody will come through. How, how do you trust God who you haven't seen to come through and to fight a battle for you when in your own life, your mom, your dad, your family of origin, people you should have been able to count on, people you should have been able to lean on, did not, have not, have never come through for you. Never kept a promise. 
never fought for you. In fact, you found yourself your whole life as a woman trying to fight for your voice, trying to fight for your being. All of a sudden, somebody says in church one Sunday, the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. And you're like, what does that even mean? And it's so difficult for some of us to just throw our hands up and say, God, it's yours. You work the night shift. I'm going to sleep tonight. I've been up too many nights because I, I can't change it. I can't move it. My power is limited. My ability, my strength is failing. The battle is yours. And that's what he came to Jehoshaphat to tell him. This battle is not going to be, you, you're not going to win this one through going out in military conquest. You're not going to lead them out. Hey, it's not the gladiator. It's not Maximus going out on his horse. It's a man that actually knelt with a nation. And actually in this battle, he put the praises out in front of him. The army who go out in the praises, the tribe of Judah, which is known for praise, went out in front of him. And so they're going to win this battle by singing. Yeah. <laughs> Some nights that we only got through. Thank God for Elevation and Hillsong and all of the Bethel and different ones because how I many know those are the songs that at some point in time, these songs that they sing on Sunday, you might have to sing in an ICU. You may have to sing in your living room alone without his beautiful voice. Love his voice, yeah? But he won't be there. Benji won't get up with his sweet demeanor. I love Benji. He won't be there. It'll be you and your family and that enemy at midnight in your life. And only what you've built and only the habits that you built up in your life can sustain you. So hear me, prayer, worship, reading the word, that's where you get your strength from. That's where you get your stability. To, to watch this, to not never go through a storm. Oh, you're going to go through storms. But you're going to find that God is faithful to bring you through every storm. That, that means I want to hear you. Yeah. Yeah, the battle is the Lord's. Who's in a battle right now? Lift your hand. Who's in a battle? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet, just right where you are. Just stand. Don't worry about your friends. Stand up. You're in a battle. Thank you, Lord. So I just stopped by just to tell you something very simple, just to encourage you, to remind you, the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. And I don't care how dark the night is, what the enemy, what the report is. Bring that report, whatever it is. It's a diagnosis, whatever it is, bring it and lay it before the Lord. Set it in front of him. And what you're doing when you say that, you're acknowledging to the Lord, I have no ability here. I have no strength. I have no resource. I'm acknowledging you as the only one that can bring about a victory and a change in the situation. Amen. So lift your hands before the Lord right now. Just lift your hand. Yep. If you've never done that before, it's okay. You got something in your hands, set it down, because I do want you to lift your hands. Set it down. And you're surrendering. That's what you're doing. God, I'm done. And you can articulate that any way that you feel comfortable. But this is your moment to say, God, I'm done. And I trust you with this situation. Trust you with the future. It's in your hands, not mine. 
we trust you. We're entrusting ourselves to you. Even when we're tempted to put our hands on it again, remind us of this moment when we gave it over to you. As emotions flowing all over the room right now, as you, the peace of God is invading your soul. He's going to return your joy. Some of you have had no joy for months as you battle, but your joy is coming back because the joy of the Lord is indeed your strength. And so, Lord, for each one of these, all of these battles, all of these struggles that are here, thank you for this moment. Thank you for their vulnerability. Sometimes it's hard for us to be vulnerable in public spaces. So thank you, Lord. Meet every man and every woman that is surrendered to you now. And for those of you that are sitting at your seats, why don't you stand up next to the person and just begin to pray. Let's lift our hands as a group together. Let's just sanctify this whole room for a moment of time. Let's set it apart. So Father, in Jesus' name, every worry and every anxiety, every enemy we know will be defeated in your name. Lord, we lift up your word, trusting you. Let every house be unified, the men, the women, the children, and for those that are single, let their small groups, their table groups, or, or people they're in community with come around and join them in the battle. We are not alone. We have a family, and we have a God that will see to it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a big hand clap right now. Let's sing. listening to the Light Church podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. We pray that the Lord would speak to you through his word. For more information, you can visit our website, lightsandiego.com.